Hey guys, welcome back to Caffeine and Crime. We are, I cannot believe we're officially in season five. It's insane. I feel like I didn't click with me very well last week. Um, I was definitely very overwhelmed and like just wanting to um, get that episode recorded. I am pre-filming this one as well, but it has been a little bit. So I'm like thinking back at that episode. I'm like, hmm, was, and even like editing it, I'm like, Alley, man. <laughs> um, sorry it was a little choppy in places, but uh, I'm so excited to be back and talking about broken hearts. And we have another one. And this one is, I, I'm going to say it from the beginning, is a little rough um, around the edges for sure, because it is definitely a hard case to talk about. Even till this day, some people have labeled Betty Lou Beats as, is she actually this cruel person, this cruel monster, or was she just a victim in this cruel world? Um, she definitely went through some really hard times, so we're definitely going to talk about all of it today. And like I mentioned last week, and if you haven't checked out the episode, you definitely should. Um, we are doing Broken Hearts this season. I thought that it was a perfect little twist on the season of love with Valentine's Day. So um, that's what we're doing for the rest of season five as well. Um, and I hope you guys stay tuned. I also had mentioned how a lot of the time with killers, we seem to see a lot of males. So I wanted to have a season where it's more filled of female killers too, so that we have a little bit of a mixture there and, um, I think it's also interesting, anybody else who are true crime junkies like myself, you're probably like interested in the same things I am when it comes to like seeing the difference between like how far males go and how far women go. I feel like, is it just me? But I feel like most women do it out of money or revenge. <laughs> but I'm sure we're going to see that a lot this season. But we're going to go ahead and jump into today's episode. The last thing I wanted to say to you guys, though, was have you guys checked out? Um, there's a couple different things. I'm not sure if I mentioned last season, but did you guys watch The Night Stalker on Netflix? Let me know what you guys thought. I did post it in my stories on Instagram at Caffeine Crime Podcast if you want to follow me there for updates and all of that. But I also sometimes post in my stories <laughs> um, about what I'm watching and that type of ordeal. And I actually found the documentary pretty interesting. I do agree with others when it's like it was a little intense and I feel like it's kind of a, I don't know, I think they kind of went a little too far for like the victim's families and also um, the victims who actually like this victims who survived. Um, I'm sure it was very like traumatizing for them to even watch it because it was dramatized in a way. And um, I don't know. I, I'm wondering like even like the victims that they had interviewed, like if they were even able to like watch it without it, you know, damaging them and putting them back in like maybe a headspace that they were years ago. I don't know. It's kind of sad in a way. Um, I do think for the most part, um, it was a really cool docu-series. But yeah, I think in some places, they could have skipped over a lot. And also, how many times were you guys like 
flinching or just like, oh my god, when's the gun gonna go off? I'm about to like jump and you think, like you know it's about to happen, but then you jump anyways every time, I swear. Um, besides that, Netflix also came out with um, a new docu-series on the Cecil Hotel. Oh my god, it is on, it was actually on my list to do in first season of Spooky Season. It's definitely on my list for this coming year. I definitely want to do the Cecil Hotel. I know it's like kind of hype now, so by then it might not be, but I actually wanted to talk about it this last season and now it's like so like hyped and like out there and um, I think it's definitely worth mentioning for a future spooky season episode, but um, it, it's really interesting if you guys haven't checked it out on Netflix. They're coming out with some really good docu-series lately. Um, again, I find it to be a little intense for like the parents and such and family if they are watching I do kind of wish that they would take that a little bit more in consideration when making docu-series like that, but all in all, I did find the docu-series to be actually quite entertaining um, when it comes to a true crime standpoint um, and somebody who has like thicker skin who can like watch that kind of thing, um, but it is a little intense in some parts and um, also very, very sad. The whole story is very sad. But I have dragged this out for way too long, so let's get into Betty Lou Beats. Now, talking of the story and the details of Betty Lou Beats, I do just want to throw out the trigger warning disclaimer that there is going to be quite a bit of that if you have suffered from sexual abuse, addiction, um, physical abuse in general, and also if you are sensitive to suicide talk. I do just want to put this claimer out there. I'm sure if you are listening to my podcast, I normally don't have so much um, jam-packed full into an episode like this. Like I mentioned, it is a very, very sad case. So there is quite a bit of that that is going to be talked about in this episode. Betty Lou Beats was born in Roxborough, North Carolina on March 12, 1937. And according to her... Her childhood was filled with traumatic event after traumatic event. Her parents were poor tobacco farmers, and they both suffered from alcoholism. And at the age of three, she lost her hearing after getting the measles. And the disability, I guess, also affected her speech, um, which, you know, a lot of the time happens when you do lose your hearing. She never received hearing aids or special training on how to deal with her disability. A lot of things were very neglected with her childhood, which makes her case so, so sad. Um, at the age of five, she alleged that she was raped by her father and was sexually abused by others throughout her early childhood years. At the age of 12, she had to leave school to take care of her younger brother and sister after her mother was institutionalized. So obviously, her life did not get much better from there. And in 1952, at the age of only 15, she married her first husband, Robert Franklin Branson, and they had a daughter the following year when she was 16. Marriage was not without trouble, and they separated. Betty Lou Beats attempted suicide in 1953. Later on in life, she talked about her first marriage to Robert as very abusive However, the two remained married until 1969 and had five more children together. Robert ultimately left Betty Lou, which she said devastated her both financially and emotionally. 
I can only imagine with what six kids and her literally being 16 when she had the first one. Any other information about the marriage with Robert Branson is that married him as a teenager. It was her first marriage. It did last over 15 years. She became a mother of mother at 16 and gave birth to six children with Branson. Um, and he divorced her when he got tired of her independent bar hopping streak. Betty Lou liked having a good time and was never interested in keeping house or raising six kids. According to Betty Lou, she did not like being single and began to drink to chase away the loneliness. Her ex-husband did little to support the children, and the money she received from welfare agencies was inadequate. By late July 1970, she married again to Billy York Lane, but he too proved to be abusive and the two divorced. And after the divorce, she and Lane continued fighting. He broke her nose, he threatened to kill her, and Betty Lou had had enough. She pulled the trigger and shot Lane. She was tried for attempted murder, but the charges were dropped after Billy Lane admitted that he had threatened her life. The drama of the trial must have rekindled their relationship because they remarried right after the trial in 1972. And second time around was not a charm. The third marriage was not a charm. The marriage lasted one month. A little more on the marriage with Billy York Lane was she found herself at 32, six kids, little income. Um, Branson sometimes sent child support. So she not only needed help financially, but she was very lonely. And when she met Billy Lane, they married in July of 1970, and the two fought, often physically, and were divorced within the year. And this was a husband who she got in the very bad physical fight with, and he punched her in the face, broke her nose, and Betty shot him twice, um, both in the leg, which ended with him having nerve damage. And this is when they started, like, rekindling their relationship. So she actually took him in and helped him and actually taught him how, like, helped him learn how to walk again. Did come forward and said that he threatened to kill her and all of that, but he ultimately dropped the charges. But... As we know, they got remarried. It only lasted for a month. The following year, in 1973, at the age of 36, Betty Lou began dating Ronnie Thrillcold. <laughs> and they were married in 1978. So um, five years later, so I guess they were together for quite a while. But this marriage it did not seem to work out any better than her past marriage. And Betty Lou allegedly attempted to run Ronnie over with a car. The marriage ended in 1979. The same year, Betty Lou, now 42, did 30 days in the county jail for public lewdness. She was arrested at a topless bar where she worked. And a little bit more about Ronnie. They met in a bar after relocating in Little Rock, Arkansas, which is honestly not that far from me. It wasn't until five years into the relationship that it was another rocky one, and they finally made it official. But even with a rocky relationship with Ronnie, who was um, a salesman, and the two apparently hit it off right away, but then it was very rocky. Their relationship lasted for five years before they were married, um, and then within a few months, she tried to kill him by running him over with a car, <laughs> um, which resulted into a divorce. At the end of 1979... 
Betty Lou met and married another man, Doyle Wayne Barker. When she divorced Barker, it's uncertain when it happened. Nobody really knew um, what had happened of that relationship. It was just a it didn't work out situation and she moved on with her life. A little bit more about Doyle Wayne Barker. Um, at the age of 42, Betty was raising her son Bobby as he neared middle school and the rest of her kids were on their own or living with their father. So for the most part, she didn't have her kids. On the lookout for another man, she met Doyle Wayne Barker, a tall and handsome roofer who went by the name Wayne, a hard worker. Wayne was considered a nice, as nice a guy as you'd want to meet. The two lovebirds settled into the community of Cedar Creek Lake near Gun Barrel City, Texas, in a brand new trailer. This time, she wasn't going to put up with any abuse. The ink on her last set of divorce papers was barely dry when the two got hitched in 1979. In 1980, they divorced, only for her to remarry within a year. They had a lot in common, enjoying nights out at the local watering hole, Seven Points Bar. But before long, Betty was telling her grown daughter, Shirley, that Wayne was just as abusive as the rest of the men in her life. And not quite a year had passed um, since her separation with Doyle Barker, and he literally just disappeared when Betty Lou married again. And this time, in August 1982, she married a retired Dallas fireman, Jimmy Don Beats, where she got the last name Beats. But Jimmy Don survived the marriage for just under a year before Betty Lou shot and killed him and buried his body in a specialty-built wishing well in the front yard. To hide the murder, Betty Lou asked help from her son, Robert Bobby Franklin Branson II, and her daughter, Shirley Stegner. She was arrested on June 8th, 1985, almost two years after Jimmy Don went missing. So he is buried in a wishing well in the front yard and a confidential source gave information to the Henderson County Sheriff's Department that indicated Jimmy Beats was possibly murdered. Search warrant was issued for Betty Lou's home. The bodies of not just Jimmy Beats, but also Doyle Barker were found on the property. Yes, you heard that correctly. Um, husband number five, Doyle Wayne Barker, who just the divorce it or the marriage didn't work she divorced him and then he just kind of like disappeared um it was because she shot him and buried his body in her backyard it was determined now that he was murdered in october of 1981 and they never got divorced and he never really just disappeared he was honestly there the whole time just not alive now that they had this body, they determined that back in October of 1981, she had shot Wayne to death with a 38, and she and her daughter Shirley buried him under a storage shed in her backyard by the light of the full October moon. A pistol discovered in the Beats home matched the type of pistol used to shoot two bullets into Jimmy Beats and three into Barker. A little more on the marriage um, and a little bit more about Jimmy Don Beats. Of all of her husbands, Jimmy Don was the most successful. He recently retired after serving as a firefighter. He drew a $1,200 monthly pension and was financially solvent. 
Um, Beats enjoyed fishing in his spare time and was handy around the house. He was also well-liked among his firefighting buddies and in the community. Shortly after they wed in 1982, Betty Lou asked him to build her a wishing well in the front yard, and Jimmy obliged, digging into the rich Texas soil without a clue that it was his own grave. Oh my god. Betty's oldest son, Robbie, 19, had recently been house-sitting when Jimmy, Don, um, Betty, and Bobby were on a trip back east. He made a mess and was trying to make up for it, so he pitched in and helped Jimmy Don dig the well. Betty had decided to murder Jimmy and collect his life insurance and pension benefits. She planned to bury his body in the well, also used as a garden, and she wasn't shy about who she told. Like I said, Robbie to help with parts of the murder scheme. Um, And on the evening of August 6, 1982, Betty shooed Robbie out of the house. It was officially time for it to happen, and when he returned two hours later, he found Jimmy Don dead from two gunshot wounds to the back of the head. Jesus. He helped his mother bury the body in the wishing well. The next day, Robbie again assisted his mother by removing the propeller from Jimmy's boat while Betty staged the rest of the scene. She scattered Jimmy's heart medication, nitro tablets, his glasses, and his fishing license in the boat. Robbie powered Jimmy Don's boat to a spot near a bridge, hopped out, and left it to drift. A caravan of firemen drove down from Dallas to search for their friend, and the next day's bass fishing contest turned into a huge search party, yet there was no sign of their friend Jimmy Don. When the boat was found a few days later, Jimmy Don's father and his son suspected foul play. But Cedar Creek Lake was large, 340,000 square acres with 20 miles of shoreline. Without a body, there was no evidence to support murder. Two years later, Robbie Branson and two of Betty's daughters solved the mystery of the disappeared fireman. Each of them had a story to tell police, and Robbie was relieved to confess his part in the crime. When investigators interviewed Betty Lou's children, Branson and Stegner, they admitted to some involvement in helping to conceal these murders. Um, The daughter had said in court, she testified in court, and said that her mother had told her of her plans to shoot and kill Barker and that she helped dispose of Barker's body. Robbie Branson testified that on August 6, 1983, he left his parents' home on the night that Beats told him that she was going to kill Jimmy Don. He returned a few hours later to help his mother get rid of the body in the wishing well. He planted evidence to make it look like Jimmy had drowned while out fishing. Stegner testified that her mother called her to her home on August 6th, and when she arrived, she was told everything had been taken care of in regards to killing and disposing of the Jimmy Don's body. Betty Lou's reaction to her children's testimony was to point the finger at them as the true killers of Jimmy Don Beats. Testimony given in the court points to money as the reason why Betty Lou Beats murdered both men. According to her daughter, Betty Lou told her she needed to get rid of Barker because she he owned the trailer and Gun Barrel City, Texas, that they lived in, and if they were to divorce, he would get it. As for her killing Jimmy Don, she did it for insurance money and pension benefits that he might have had. Betty Lee was never tried for the murder of Barker, but she was found guilty of capital murder of Jimmy Don Beats and sentenced to death. After over 10 years of appeals, Betty Lou Beats was executed by lethal injection on February 24, 2000 at 6.18 p.m. in the Huntsville, Texas prison. 
At the time of her death, she had five children, nine grandchildren, and six great-grandchildren. So not only did she shoot one of her husbands, but she also murdered two other ones. Um, it's, like I said, a very packed, full, crazy, devastating case, to say the least. Um, involves a lot of, lot of mental health issues going on here with this lady as well. So me coming from somebody who um, deals with a lot of mental health issues and stuff, I really, really feel for this lady when it comes to um, what she must have been going through and fill, filling. And obviously, it doesn't look like she picked great men to begin with, since it seems like for the most part, she had a really bad way to go with with men in her life early on, which I can relate to on so many levels um, without really going there. And also being young and taking care of um, kids at a young age and all of that. And I know how much it fucks up with your mental health. And so I can only feel for her to then get into relationship after relationship that's abusive and just cruel and mean. But somewhere you have to break the cycle. And sadly for Betty Lou's case, that never happened until she broke it by ending lives and more than one, which is so devastating and tragic. And then I feel like I don't want to come off as somebody who is like not caring of the victims whatsoever because douchebag or not, they did not deserve to die whatsoever. Um, like I said, it's very devastating and tragic, but um, I do kind of feel like she was not mentally stable for this. Um, and I don't know how much was like really like looked into with her mental health and mental state. Definitely this was later on. This wasn't like our last case from last week where we're talking about the early, you know, like 1916. No, we're talking about 2000. So we're in the day and age where this kind of stuff can be looked at more in details of how people are handling things. And I just don't think a person who has went through that much tragic things of their own and abuse and everything else has, you know, survived suicide attempts and... <sighs> killed two husbands, shot another husband, and then turns around and blames it on her own children. I don't feel like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel like this is a case where I am so surprised that she was not able to um, call insanity, honestly, and be like locked up in like a home or something where she was protected from the outside world and the outside world was protected from her. Um, so, I mean, Obviously, the victims deserve justice, and I feel like they definitely have that justice now, but it is very crazy to just to think about like how much she went through and how much abuse probably went on with this too and how much that damaged her as a person, and I just feel like there's so many cases that we see without getting too heated. Fucking Casey Anthony, like there's so many cases where we just see people who are walking free or, you know are in like a mental institution. I mean, the last case we talked about from, like I said, 1916, she literally was put into a home for insanity and she killed maybe 60 people, you know? Like it's, it's just insane that this lady 
did not get that in return. Now, you have to think about like different states and their state laws and all that. So that is where this was different as well. But like I mentioned about states and their regulations and laws, Texas has a long history with the death penalty. Um, the U.S. Supreme Court decision in 1972 put a stop to executions as cruel and unusual punishment. In 1976, um, Jurek versus Texas allowed the state to resume executions. Carla Faye Tucker was the first woman executed in modern Texas. Betty Lou Beats was the next. Although she claimed to be a battered woman, the evidence shows she premeditated both murders. There was no proof either Wayne or Jimmy Don laid a hand on her. Perhaps more damning, she tried to implicate two of her children as Robbie and Shirley as the real killers, which really threw her chances away. Her actual history of abuse and childhood and her marriages may never be known. Her death warrant signed. Betty was left with a Bible and supporters who claimed she was suffering from battered woman syndrome. She declined a final mill. According to a prison staff, Betty Lou Beats was very scared to die. And another trigger here, because this is intense, her lawyer witnessed the execution saying her eyes were cold as a fish as she lay awaiting the needle. He'd done his best to save her life, but the evidence shows it might not have been worth the trouble. So yeah, like I said, I feel like so much of it is very devastating. I feel like she had a really hard life, but I never once want to downplay it because I know life is what you make of it too. You know, you sometimes you're handed really, really bad cards and there is a way for you to turn it around. There is a way for you to get help and it doesn't matter how dark it feels, it doesn't matter how bad it feels, there is always a way that you can... Um, help I do think in a lot of ways um, that she I don't want to say was denied but just didn't have access to that which is so sad and again just tragic but let me know what you guys think you guys can also check out the blog if you want to see pictures it's linked in the description also if you like caffeine and crime and would like to support and keep the caffeine and crime um, family and seasons going there is also a support down below I really appreciate it I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on this case, though. You can find me on Instagram at Caffeine Crime Podcast. Give it a follow so you know when updates are coming and let me know. What do you think of this case? It's definitely one of the tougher ones. Ugh, I'm like so out of breath. I feel like I've been talking. Literally, I have been for like almost 40 minutes straight with like barely any breath in between. But um, this one was just really devastating for me to get through. I kind of like want to wrap it up because it is like so devastating. But um, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't ever want to say like I feel for the female killers over the males because I really don't feel for any killers. But I do just part of me feel so bad for her case because of how devastating it is, but I can never in a million years think of somebody who would take a life to be innocent. So that's where this is just like, again, such a tragedy because it's like, she was really handed a bad life and she did not make the most of it. And very devastating to those poor kids and all the trauma they've had to go through too and I think that's what like really hurts me in the end is just like those poor kids but I hope that they have made the best out of their life um 
condolences to them on how much tragedy and people they have lost in their life and what they've had to go through as well. Um, and just know nowadays there's so much help. So especially in situations where there is kids involved too, but I'm not going to sit here and be your lecturer, or give you another TED talk. <laughs> I hope you guys still enjoyed today's episode. It was a crazy, tragic one, but that is what broken heart season is going to be. I honestly, after last season, don't know if I've really prepared myself for this, but here we are. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. It means so much to me. Again, let me know over on Instagram what you think of this case. And if I missed any details in any episode that you've listened to, um, first, make sure you check out the blog because I may have already dubbed updated it there. But if I have not, you can reach out to me on Instagram and I would love to update the blog for all other fellow listeners who might want to see um, something that I may have missed. But yeah, thank you. And I'll see you guys next week, season five, episode three.